if this podcast was in January, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We would have been having the conversation about me just on the verge of breakdown. Job hunting can be challenging at the best of times. Add in global shutdowns, which have put entire industries, including arts and entertainment, on hold, and the question of how to earn a living while following your passion requires even more creative thinking. I'm Sabina Reid, and I'm a psychologist who's worked with individuals and organisations for over 25 years. I've seen stress in all its forms, and I know the idea of looking after not just your physical, but your emotional well-being at times like this is hard. But one thing this global pandemic has taught us is that we're not alone and many of the challenges we face and the way we respond are universal. Proudly brought to you by Seek, this is Seek Your Mind, where we talk with five job hunters who have written in for advice on what they're finding difficult during this period. Today, I'm joined by careers coach, Nash Gadani, who's done the career change thing and balanced a paid job with starting his own business, which is what Aidan is hoping to do now. Dear Seek, I've worked in the music industry for a decade and spent almost all of last year on a world tour with a band, but COVID put a stop to that. I'm trying to see this time as change to reinvent my career and have been thinking a lot about my mental health for me and others around me. So as a passion project, I launched a podcast on mental health and the creative industries and quickly realised I'd like to try and monetize it. I'm under no illusions that I'll still need a job and have picked up a bit of casual work teaching, but I'm rapidly running out of savings. I want to be home more and start a family rather than travelling, but I don't want to step away from the industry that I've put so much time into. Yours truly, Aidan. What drew you to the the music industry in the first place? Uh, I sort of played drums myself um, and sort of played in bands, and basically my first role in the music industry was like booking bands into a rehearsal studio. Um, and that rehearsal studio had a recording studio that took my fancy, taught myself how to do that. And then, yeah, the rest is history, really. That's what happened. But what drew you to it? I guess as soon as I started recording myself in my own recording demos and stuff, I wasn't necessarily considering myself a creative person, uh, rather more than like a person who would I don't know, like use my hands or build things. But um, I could use that with music, so I got into production. Um, had the opportunity to go and mix a friend's band at a pub and then ended up, like, loving that, the instant gratification of quick setup, whereas a recording studio is, like, a day setup, then a week worth of recording, whereas a, a live stage is um, uh, instant loud. What's that instant gratification mean to you? That means where I sort of went from my trajectory on just being, a, a, like, live sound engineer into a production manager was getting to see the process or being responsible for the process in getting the brief, which is the band, getting the creative concepts and then building that production, putting it on stage and watching it and then watching the people appreciate it was sort of like my last sort of five years of being a production manager and realising, yeah, I could be responsible for everything that the crowd basically witnesses other than the music itself. So that sounds really important to you. Something you said in your letter was, I want to be home more and start a family rather than travel the world, but I don't want to step away from an industry I put so much time into. So this idea that you've spent a decade in different areas, but in the music industry and not wanting to let that go, I think it's really important to think about what that 
what was so meaningful about that? What brought the most joy? What brought the most fulfillment? And I think you're starting to tap into that now when you're talking about being responsible for everything and seeing it happen from go to woe and the reward in seeing all your efforts come to life and how they both support the band members, I imagine, but also how they impact everyone in the crowd. Yeah, absolutely. The, the responsibility is something that um, uh, I definitely uh, was attracted to and the anxiety that comes with being responsible for a production that takes weeks and months and days to prepare for, say, maybe an hour, hour and a half worth of showtime, you've really got to convert that anxiety into productivity. And I guess I've only recently, now that I've stopped uh, through COVID, realised that anxiety is a part of my key to my success. That That's a beautiful segue into what you're wanting to explore now, and that's to move into the mental health industry in some way. Is that in part due to some of your own experiences with anxiety or mental health? Yeah, I, I really only started really assessing myself over the last sort of two years. Uh, last year in particular was, was a really massive year and it really took it out of me. So that's where I decided I would go and um, get some help. Uh, and then through that, I'd uh, sort of sparked my interest in diagnosing and dissecting and rebuilding uh, as I have been with my production management stuff. Uh, an opportunity came up through Support Act, who are a, a foundation that look after the arts and music industry as, as like a specific genre of mental health through like you're talking to people who have probably been in the same sort of situation. Um, and they were funding a mental health first aid certificate. And that is some of the best learning I've ever been a part of. And that really sparked my interest, but also gave me the confidence to be able to talk to other people and um, identify symptoms within other people and encourage them to go and get them help themselves. And um, yeah, I've always loved podcasts and I figured just, just put my head in and started my first ever solo project, which was my first podcast. Okay. And what was it like for you? Doing this as a solo project without a co-host, without a manager or a, or a label or anything, basically my success or failure would be solely responsible on me and I really, really enjoyed that. Whether that be profitable or whether it remains a passion project, um, I'm not really concerned, but it's just being that creative outlet, which I've never had, which I can do at home and I don't have to travel for. I love that. I love hearing someone sort of find their their place. You know, I can hear it's the intersection of so many things that matter to you, both mental health, there's a creative element. You've made it so clear that being on your own is important to have that um, responsibility. And I, I hear you when you say when you're out on your own, when you're the lead singer of a band without a band, if you don't play well, then it's you and only you. And that sounds like something that you're really wanting to step into. What are some of the skills that you bring from your producing career that bring themselves or lend themselves to the pod space? People who work in the music industry, you never wear one hat. I consider myself to be a graphic designer from making gig posters. I picked up video editing for having to make visuals for a band that was on a budget. So therefore I'm making visuals. I bands we travel light, so people are the most expensive thing to put on a plane, put on a put in a hotel bed, put on a you know a limited space in a bus. So if you're wearing three people's hats, you're more likely to get the job. So uh, a podcast sort of area is a pretty one-on-one -on -one sort of uh, environment. I figure that my ability to video edit do the technical aspects, make sure that it sounds great, looks great. It's an opportunity for me to be able to do something home. I don't need to travel for it, which is really you know, attractive.
Nash, let's talk about Aiden. What are some of the thoughts that you think are his biggest challenges at this time? He has got a great, uh, you know, skill set. I can, I can see that. Because I think a lot, a lot of the time people underestimate what they have learned and what they've acquired. So looking at that, I think he's, he's a podcaster, he's a musician. He's also learning, you know, you know, is a mental health advocate. He's organized a band, so he's got a you know great capacity for marketing and organizing things. He's traveled the world, so he's got cultural sensitivity as well. So it, it you know, if I put everything together, it's a great mix of talent. I find it just very interesting, honestly. I don't see any problem. Nash, because you have a very optimistic and open perspective and you work with people from different cultures and you obviously see the opportunities, which is certainly what job hunters when they're feeling kind of stuck. Um, Because a lot of what he's talking about here doesn't sound like it's going to bring in any dollars and he's got the reality of wanting to start a family, having put a wedding on hold. That's right, because one of the things that I noticed is that He's running out of savings. He has to really get something, you know, really happening quickly. So a couple of things that I, I, I don't know whether he has tried this or not, but obviously we are living in a job market which transcends the boundaries. We can do heaps of work, uh, which doesn't require you to be physically present anymore. So I'm not sure whether he has, you know, you know used uh, Upwork or Airtasker or anything else, because there's just so many different kind of work people are outsourcing where he can actually use his music talent. I know statistically that creative industries tend to have higher levels of mental illness issues at play. And so in a way, he's probably tapped into actually quite a real market there in that I, I have myself done some speaking gigs with people in the arts and they do experience many things that most workers don't. They work in shift hours. They're often working in groups together and quite isolated from their tribes. They might be travelling or, you know, late hours. So they're sort of not typically anchored in routine like like many other workers are. I think in a way he's he might be tapping into something there because he's worked with so many creatives over the years. He's not stepping away from an industry he's put so much time into. He's building on the the knowledge, the intimacy and the experience that he's got in one industry and he's adding another layer on top of it. One of one of the things people need to sort of understand is the concept of, you know, portfolio careers where you've got two, three different things going on as well. It's, you know, I, I myself have a portfolio career, right? And I think, I think a lot of the time it is also important that you start something very small because what he talks about monetizing something and making money out of it, I think it's a, you know, it takes a long time for you to even get a sponsor to pay $50 for your podcast episode, right? But at the same time, you know, tapping into small projects, small you know, you know, small side hustles where he can actually use the skill. And I put a, I put something here that you got to look at skill, which kind of people can benefit from it and whether people can pay for that or not. And then he can choose, you know what, this gives me more leverage. I really enjoy this. This is giving me some, you know, some financial return and I'll probably pursue that. I won't pursue something else. That's how I have thought of. And that's how a lot of people are thinking of they are not putting their eggs in one basket. I absolutely agree with you that this the portfolio career idea is is 
very realistic and it's really what he's sort of exploring already. And if he's got an interest in mental health is to use the skills that are already in his toolkit. Um, I was thinking about all of the mental health organisations from Beyond Blue to Black Dog. A lot of organisations are trying to help people through the mental health lens and he has this group of skills that some of those organisations might be needing. So I think probably what's sitting under some of the sentiments that Aidan shares is this is the emotional attachment he's got to wanting to make a difference in the lives of people living with mental health issues. And I think there are many ways to do that and podcasting is only one of them. Aidan told us in his letter that financial pressure is one of the things worrying him. But when we talked about it more, it became clear that the pleasure and satisfaction he gets developing his podcast outweighs not having a steady income. He's picked up some casual work at a TAFE as a sound and production teaching assistant and he's exploring the possibility of becoming a lecturer using his experience in the music industry. What I found really interesting during our discussion was hearing Aidan realise that he was totally comfortable trading some of his earning potential for doing the things that align to his values. And that's a really powerful thing to realise. How do you reconcile the financial pressures and the realities of needing to earn an income with the pod or with other gigs that you've got going? I mean, I definitely couldn't have developed this without Job Seeker or whatever it is that, that I'm on. There's that, but, uh, you know, for example, in the first lockdown, I, I like as soon as I got back to it, I started driving Uber. Uh, not even, like it wasn't great money, but it was just like a little bit of money that I could choose when I could come home, which was really refreshing. From then, I sort of realised that I reckon I could probably do something on the side, whether that be a casual job to be able to, you know, help me get through, help me to pay the mortgage. Um, and contribute and just, you know, sort of stay on the grid a little bit. Yeah, casual work, it exists for exactly, exactly that reason, I think, for you to be able to work on your terms rather than commit to a contract or a 12-month, you know, that sort of thing. That's, that's the stuff that scares me the most is um, working a real job. I'm essentially trading that flexibility for security in finding that next job. Yeah. Starting this podcast to, to cure that itch of creativity allows me to be able to trade that without concern to go, I'm happy to, to jump on a pay salary. I'm happy to go full time because I've still got that, you know, independent creative outlet, which is a podcast. If I can capitalize on that and start working and become, you know, some sort of podcast producer, I don't have to be in the spotlight. I, I could still essentially be a production manager or a content manager. You're really talking about one of the most universal human drivers that I know of, and that's this dichotomy between security and stability and novelty and freedom, and we want both. <laughs> and I can hear the story you're telling saying, I, I, want, I want it to be safe for me and others. I want to know that I'm at home with my loved ones, but I want to try new things and I want to travel the world and I want to not be constrained by the rules and the hours and the rigidity and the routine. And um, I think you and most of us needing some combination of both of these things. What do you think you need to do to get to that point? Just do it more. Like talk to more people about who are also doing it. For, for me at the moment, I don't know many people doing podcasts, so I can't contact them and talk to them and just exploring a new, I guess, department of, of skills that I, that I can get into.
So the first question is worth exploring for people who are seeking to make a transition like this is how much money do I actually need in order to keep myself afloat without feeling like the wolves are at the door? So there's possibly some midway there between taking the 50-hour-a-week job and letting this go as opposed to, Nashua, you're saying there's no point in pursuing this blindly if you're not able to earn any money. I've observed many job seekers find some kind of balance in between and perhaps give yourself a time frame to say for the next six months I know that I need to earn such and such a week and then perhaps after that time if I've really given it a nudge to explore this next career and it hasn't really progressed then I'll reassess again. I think we need to put bookends around some of our our journey so that they don't just become sort of endless and, and aimless. I myself have taken on, it was a four days uh, week job, but I've purposefully asked for three days because it will still help me to build my side hustle. Also continue to also get the money for my mortgage and everything else. I think it was a very conscious decision. Since he has worked as a band organizer, I would think he's got some really crazy skills around that because you can't organize a band and take them to a world tour. It is probably important for Eden to really extract what those skills are, like really nuts and bolts of it. Is it about time management? Is it about stakeholder management? Is it about, you know, getting new sponsors? What are those skills? And then once he starts to unpack that, I'm pretty sure that he can then find ways that other people can use those skills. Maybe there might be other bands, you know, who are smaller in, in terms of their their impact, maybe Aiden can share that with them. That this is how you can do that. Maybe Aiden can, you know, do us something on how do you create your own gig, you know, as a music band. So I think where I'm getting at, uh, you know, Sabina, is that Aiden has to position himself as kind of a resource. And that's where I think Aiden will start to see some traction because people will be always keen to see that, you know, what Aiden is up to in this. And Aiden has a really good voice around his skills. These are some of my uh, you know, observations. I love your observations and you're really throwing the net really wide. And I think that's probably an important step. When you see people who have got blinkers on and they're very fixed with their ideas about what they want to do and how they want to do it and when they want to do it by, how do you help them to widen the net? It's probably very difficult. I, I I can barely get my son to do his homework. Uh, <laughs> you know, so you can imagine I'm not a great persuader. I think people need to trust it is possible for them to do it. You know, somebody who has particularly worked in a certain sector for 20, 30 years, obviously they will have an absolute fixed mindset that this is the world that exists. There is nothing outside of that exists. I think Aiden can do us short goals, not big goals, because that might freak him out that oh, this is all going to collapse and I, I need to really find an anchor point rather than going out full. So he needs to find goals which works for him. Simple goals, you know, creating you know, I, I will just focus on extracting my skills this week. I just want to understand what I've done. Then making list of the people who he thinks who can help him. Secondly, Sabina, I think what's also important that we don't, you know, we rarely recognize is that there are hundreds of people who may have taken similar journey that Aiden is on as well. And reaching out to them, using the network and finding from friends, hey, do you know somebody who, you know, 
who was an ex, who, you know, who's the ex musician and has taken a different, uh, you know, route altogether. Do you know someone? I just want to pick his or her brain because I'm, I'm going through this and let me, you know, find out because I think we rarely value those people who have taken the journey before to really understand that what what it took for them to take that journey and what are the strategies that they used and everything else. I think that would be my pathway for him to slowly expand while maintaining his current role as a teaching assistant. I've spoken with so many people tackling change in their careers. And one thing I often hear is that we feel like we're the first ones to ever navigate a particular set of circumstances. Inevitably, we aren't. And it's why, like Aidan has recognised, finding the right network to ask for advice is so useful. The next step, though, is using that network to open opportunities or to identify organisations aligned to what you want to do and approach them about work. This can be incredibly daunting, but basically comes down to how you package yourself. I think, uh, you, know, uh, you know, given the information that we have about Aidan, if he personally has experienced mental health challenges, that's a great story to tell. I think that's a, that's a good beginning to talk about how mental health impacts somebody who works in creative industries. And then, you know, just, just doing a pro bono project with a small not-for-profit, let's, let's work on a campaign that this, this particular industry feels the heat of mental health challenges and they don't know how to deal with it. I have, I've known this industry inside out. I have personally have gone through mental health experience. And on the top of that, I do understand a little bit about mental health through my first aid qualifications. And I'm also doing a podcast. If you put all, if you put all of them together, then you got something to talk about. Then it will, it will pique someone's interest and say, you know what? I think there's some slant here. Let's have a chat. And I think that's what you're looking for. You're not, you're not going in there with a finished product. What you're going in there with an idea, they look, I've got this. This industry really needs some help. And I'm here to, to, to really reaching out to you to see whether we could collaborate on something. I have no, I'm not coming with a fixed idea. I'm open to ideas, but can we do that or not? And in the same context, I think it is equally important to reach out to your own network of people, you know, your own kind of, you know, team, uh, you know, tribe and say, look, this is what I'm interested in. Who do you think I should reach out to? Do you know anybody else or not? I think it's that way, you know, the, the warm connection that you can have that will help you to really, you know, before you go to a bigger player, you might need to really fine-tune your pitch and fine-tune your understanding of that. That's how I would do that. But last thing I would say that Aiden has to work really rigorously on his networking because there are so many jobs, interesting jobs that people can actually create for you if they see that, wow, this guy seems very interesting. So the more I spoke with Aidan, the more I realised he's one of the happiest job hunters we've come across, which wasn't what I expected to find when I read his letter. There's so many factors at play as to why. The first is his outlook, and he's worked really hard to maintain positivity and cultivate optimism and gratefulness. The other is perhaps where he's at in the trajectory of the job hunt. It sounds like you've made some conscious choices around 
where you want to go and where you want to be. And some of the other people that were spoken to have had those choices made for them. Although what's interesting is you could say that the live gig industry has taken a hit, wouldn't you say? And international travel and the music scene on an international circuit is not what it was. That's something you haven't chosen. And that's something that is impacting the industry that you've known well and you've been a big part of and has kept a level of security and stability um, around you. So how do you deal with that? If this podcast was in January, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We would have been having the conversation about me, like, just on the verge of breakdown. Um, you know, you, you said before that, um, you know, I might be the, the happiest person, but I've, the, I've done those jobs where I've been lost and been hunting for the next opportunity. Like, I, I worked as a, a retail consultant. Um, I was put in a position where I was... Um, sourcing, um, you know, printing stuff for for basketball teams um, and doing overseas clients, but also doing KPIs and sales targets and that sort of stuff. Um, It was the best money I'd ever been on at the time, but it was also in terms of my mental health the first time I ever diagnosed myself as like, oh, wow, like I I can get depressed. I can, you know, uh, have thoughts of, Fact, like I'm not, I kind of don't know. If I, <laughs> I, I have thoughts of, um, you know, like maybe, maybe I'm not as, you know, uh, smart or capable as I thought I was. Like, there's, there's think that a desk job was the thing that broke me and made me want to exist in an industry that I consider you know, not a nine to five. I don't have to sit in peak hour. I don't have to go with the flow. Again, I go back to the values that you're talking about and knowing when you don't honour those at what cost. And for you, Aidan, it's been a pretty severe cost. You went through a period, it sounds like, where your mental health was really challenged and you have reflected on what that's like and what ingredients contribute to that outcome and how you want that to be different. And this is your next sort of incarnation to improve your mental health to look after yourself and to align your work with who you are and that sounds louder for you than needing to be really certain that a that you know minimum amount of dollars are going to come in as long as you're spending time with people you love your fiance and your friends and you're looking after yourself and you're exploring who you are and these values that you hold so dear um, that's where you need to be at the moment and that's where you're meeting yourself. Yeah, I'm in a really good space considering my life's been turned upside down on an occupational point of view. So this is a good place to end our series on, I think. Aiden is such a great example of the freedom that comes when you're at that juncture of having decided what matters to you and moving towards executing on those. Aidan could have ignored some of the stresses that had been niggling at him and triggering some of his anxiety. But instead, he's used the time this year, when he hasn't been formally employed, to get comfortable prioritising what matters to him, which is being fulfilled creatively and helping others better understand mental health challenges in the entertainment industry. I think it's up to each of us to make a choice. What do we want to take with us from what we've learned this year? What do we want to change? What do we want to challenge and what works and doesn't work for us? For Aidan, I hope our chat enabled him to see that he's done the work to identify his values and perhaps even since January, those values might have shifted. 
It's a process psychologists refer to as self-actualization, and it's a powerful developmental milestone and often part of the job hunting journey. As always, if you're after more resources to help while you're looking for work, visit the Seek Career Advice website. If you found this podcast particularly challenging, Beyond Blue also has a range of online resources and a support line you can reach 24 hours a day, seven days a week on 1300 22 46 36. Thanks for joining me. I'm Sabina Reid and this has been Seek Your Mind, a series on wellbeing while job hunting, proudly brought to you by Seek.